welcome to History of Haunting. I was in, in the middle of, of, of writing stuff. Um, oh. uh, she's Laura. And she's Carrie writing stuff. And I'm Carrie writing stuff. Welcome to the next episode of History of a Haunting, part two. Part two. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, right. I forgot you speak French. Um, yes, so we are recording this again, uh, sort of again. Um, it, it, Laura's in a haunted house. So yeah, there's, there's going to be, be background noise on my end. Sorry about that. There's going to be some some noise. It's fine. Um, she's bringing the ambiance, which I love. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So we are uh, doing this for an, uh, a second time, uh, simply because you know Laura bought a new home and and it it's got it's got to have the high tech stuff, which requires the high tech work, and that requires some you know scheduling and time. So. Yeah, it's pretty lo-fi right now. I wouldn't <laughs> say it's high tech. Yeah, they're gonna no have tech. to. <laughs> right now, it's no tech. Um, they're gonna have to. Uh, I don't know, do some construction and tear out a wall in her home or something to lay like the best internet fiber, whatever crap. Something. Something. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> One day I might have internet again. Until yeah. Then. Right. Right. Until then, she and Zane are existing on DVDs. Remember those kids? <laughs> Zane's learning all about it. I'm all. He's like, what side goes up? And then he puts them down like that. I'm like, you can't put them down like that. He's like, but that's the side that they go down in the player. I'm like, but that's, you can't do that. <laughs> I love it. He's learning all about DVDs. I love it. I think that's really funny. Because when Koi was little, um... DVDs had just sort of come out, so he was born in 2001, and so he was, DVDs had just sort of really kind of replaced the VHS tapes. Mm -hmm. um, so we still had some, like, some of his gifts were VHS tapes for his first birthday, some were DVDs, and um, so he didn't quite understand at the age of two why when he watched Thomas the Tank Engine all the way through to the end, he wanted to watch it again. Um, most of his Thomas the Tank TV shows were on DVD, and then some of them were on VHS. And the ones on VHS, he didn't quite understand why it had to rewind first. <laughs> why can't we just push play like the other Thomas videos? So um, I think it's it's funny that your child is of the streaming era and <laughs> learning how to <laughs> handle a DVD. I think that's really funny. I'll yeah, tell you what. Luckily, um, my pack rattiness. I liked, I have like all the Harry Potters and that kind of stuff on, on them and Lord of the Rings and like uh, the kids and I would like, will watch those. Yeah. So that's why I still have the DVDs. Yeah. So luckily, um, I do because that is the entertainment at my house right now. <laughs> and <laughs> otherwise we'd be real fucked. Yeah. Well, but, that's good entertainment yeah. though. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Those are Amazing. Those are really, really great. So, um, some Batman. It's happening. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great. Um, okay. So, Laura is uh, on a special location coming to you. Uh, I am coming to you from my office where I always record, but we have decided to ditch the green screens because they were a pain in the ass. And really stupid. So uh, you get to see the background of um, Laura's 
family's house and uh you get to see the podcast office and recording studio here at my house and uh as you can see i'm a big fan of mixed tiles these are all the locations that we have visited and or investigated and they are all paranormal and um haunty if you will so uh yeah this is going to be our new background guys so uh i hope you like it and if you don't well we don't care um <laughs> yeah i'm hoping i don't have to come here every time i have to record but you know whatever well hopefully this weekend you will get you know your shit together or your internet service provider will get their shit together something like that something like that i mean you do still have that amazing beautiful tub that you That's can chill true. out in yeah so uh guys let's go through our evps we have a very heavy hitter episode to bring to you today so we're just going to go ahead and plow through all of the stuff that we need to plow through because whoo this is a big one you guys already know what it is because you clicked on the title when you listened to the episode but still so evps that we want to go over our hoodies we are back Yay. on pre-sale uh and this time we have added sweatshirts so hoodless uh, we did get some requests for um, from folks that wanted just a sweatshirt. So we have um, added those as well. Hoodies are same thing as last time, guys. Uh, $45, $5 shipping. Uh, sweatshirts are $40, $5 shipping. And um, if you buy two or more of either, you get free shipping. So um, we're going to run this through the end of Black Friday. Um, so be sure to pick up a Paranormal History of a Haunting hoodie uh, for the podcast fan in your family. Um, unfortunately, right now, we just have the ash gray color, but it's a great color. It goes with everything. So Laura had wanted black for the first round. Unfortunately, you know. I was denied. You were denied hard. Um, but we're, we're not selling the volume that, that allows us to pick colors, apparently. Um Regardless, uh, come on, get your hoodie. H O A H podcast.com slash shop. We also have um, episode themed soaps. We also have drawstring bags. We have koozies, uh, wine glasses, and uh, pfft, Laura, help me. What's the name? Uh, the drawstring bags, koozies. The um, Pint blear 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 glasses. Wow. Whoa. Pint glasses for drinking your favorite blear. Um are also coming. Um yeah. Blear glasses. Blear. Yeah. Yeah, I've had too much blear, I think. Um are coming. So yeah. Um, we wanted to promote our shop and our merch, and it's going to be a great time. So, uh, you know, order them. Come on. It's Christmas. It's the holidays. It's Hanukkah. It's Kwanzaa. It's holiday season. Buy some presents. Um, the next thing that I did want to mention in our EVPs is I did a live um, on Facebook not that long ago, but I also want to promote the um, upcoming episode of Destination Fear. Now, all of you guys know I love this show. I do actually get a lot of location suggestions from Destination Fear. It is a show on the Travel Channel, um, and a lot of my source material comes from the show. What 
I'm super excited to say again and again and again is that Destination Fear is doing an episode at the Phelps Dodge Hotel. No, it's a hotel now. Hospital. It was a hospital. Phelps Dodge Hospital in Ajo, Arizona. Um, It is where I got my start in paranormal investigations. It is where I met my mentors. And it is where the podcast did our very first live event. So Laura was there. And um, Laura, what did you what did you think of of the hospital? I know that we have talked about this a little bit before, but um, it was the first time that you'd ever been to a haunted location. Is that is that correct? Like as well, as like it, investigating it? Yeah, for sure, as investigating it. Um, but in general, um, I thought it was fun. Like the whole the whole time was a good time. Um, we. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I told you. Zane, that. say hi. Say hi. hi. Say hi and go. Okay. Hi. I want to ask, ask you something. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys, that's Zane, and uh, he is a new bingo square. We are revamping our History of Haunting bingo card that Patreons get, and Zane says hi is a bingo square, so. Yeah, you'll get that every episode apparently lately. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he just wants to know that if he's quiet, that I will, I might like bribe him with something that he wants. Yeah. That's what he's trying for. Yeah, I mean that's so just kind of him. how parenting is. It's fine. We are we are all there with you. <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, it's it's the the hospital is um uh it's, it's a it's an abandoned hospital. It is um. It closed in 84, 85. Uh, we did do an episode on it. It was our live episode. We recorded it live. Laura was in the audience when we recorded it live. Um, so it's, it's a really great place. And Destination Fear has gone there. It is an, uh, they, it's, it's an upcoming episode for them. And it is airing on November 20th. Uh, it drops in the morning if you are a subscriber to Discovery Plus. So you'll get to watch it first thing in the morning, or you can find it um, at 9 p.m., I believe, Eastern Standard Time on the Travel Channel. Again, November 20th, Destination Fear goes to the Phelps Dodge Hospital. They are one of the last teams to investigate the hospital before the owner sold it, and who they sold it to is turning it into a hotel. So that is an upcoming date that I'm going to be taking Laura on. Uh, (laughs) She says I plan the worst dates, and I'm here to prove her right. Uh, (laughs) Our our first date was at Old uh, Hospital on College Hill, but she had the best time, so... It was dingy. It had it black mold. It was. True. It had bugs. It was raining, um, but she still had a really great time. So I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm actually really excited to see the them uh, do the Phelps Dodge Hospital after having been there. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so it's kind of a little bit different when you've actually been to the mm-hmm. place. I think it's going to be. It's like I'm really interested to see what experiences they have and what happens. So I think it's going to be really cool. It's going to be yeah. Really fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be really, really cool. I'm very, very excited for it. And now I can actually tell everybody, because I have gotten the official okay, to let everybody know that I actually did know that Destination Fear was going to the Phelps Dodge Hospital uh, because I was supposed to be on the show. 
Um, and I had, you know, the producer had my number and we were getting, we were trying to coordinate schedules and things like that. Um, but Chelsea, one of the stars of the show, Dakota's sister, at the time she was, um, going to school for, uh, to become an optometrist. And so she was in school at the time and they weren't really sure of her schedule. So they weren't really sure when they could record at Phelps. Um, so Tony and Sheree Rathman had reached out to me and asked me if I would be on the show because the producers had, you know, they coordinated everything through him and he mm-hmm. thought of me, which was another amazingly high honor that this fabulous group of people has bestowed on me. Um, the only thing was Chelsea's schedule. And so they weren't sure when she could record it. Uh, unfortunately it turned out that they recorded it back in April and I had, um, by that point I had already moved to North Carolina, so I couldn't be on the show, but I did know it was happening and I was sworn to secrecy under threat of death. Uh, (laughs) so, um, dying ever since. I, yeah, I have been dying ever since. So it's been really funny because when they announced when the new season was starting, um, Tony and Sheree and I were texting each other and I was like, oh my God, it's the first six episodes and I'm like, Phelps isn't on there. And he was like, I know, I'm not sure. When. He's like, it's going to have to be in the next season. So the way they do it is they do release six episodes. They go on hiatus for a little bit and then they release the next six. So we were like, it's got to be in the next six. And oh my God. And so we were constantly stalking Travel Channel's Twitter and their website just to find out when this was going to air. Um... And so then when they finally released it, we were super excited. Uh, If you guys want to check it out, uh, the Travel Channel synopsis of the episode is really, really exciting. One of them gets a ghostly death threat. And if you look at the episode synopsis after that, they're still reeling from that death threat. So I'm really, really curious to see what the fuck happened. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Next week, right? Next um, Next Friday? Uh, Saturday. Hold on, let me pull up a calendar. Something like that. Uh, Yeah, it is. It's the 20th, so it's next Saturday. Yeah, Mm -hmm. next Saturday. I'm very excited for it, and I will be watching it first thing in the morning. Um, I will also be wearing my Destination Fear hoodie, because I do have one of those as well. I love a good hoodie. Um, So, yeah, Destination Fear, Phelps Dodge Hospital in Ajo, Arizona. Uh, You might see my mentor, Tony Rathman, on the show, too. So, I'm excited about that, yeah. Uh... That's all I got. Laura, what do you have for EVP or endless vocal prattling, which I kind of dominated tonight? I'm like, you totally already did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I'm good. You think you're good? Um, there's going to be some background noise uh, while I record at my parents' house since I can't really control the situation. And not that I can at my own house, but there are more people here. And But I'm there's no cats. No cats. There's no cats. All right. Let's get it started then. Uh, Laura, right, why don't you tell everybody where we're going? We are headed to Gettysburg. Love it. I'm very excited. This is one that um, this is one that the podcast has wanted to do um, since the very beginning, so two years now. It was just a matter of how, how. Because it's a, it's a big location, right? I mean, it's... You can't throw a rock in that town without hitting a ghost. So it was a matter of how do we do it and what do we, like, how do we do it without making it, like, 
seven parts. And that was something that Archie and I had talked about. Like, maybe we make it a two-part episode or a three-part episode. And I was like, I'm not really fans of that kind of a podcast. So um, then we did Salem. And you were there for Salem. I was. And we selected locations. And we did the history of a location and the hauntings. And then we just went to the next location. So that's the idea that Laura and I had for Gettysburg. So... To that end, Laura, should we tell them all the locations we're covering, or should we just surprise them and just do them as we go? What do you think? I say surprise them. Okay. I like it. All right. All right. Uh, Go ahead with your sources. Um, We're going to, because we have multiple locations, we're just going to throw all of our sources at you at once, and then instead of location by location, because that's tedious, and we didn't want to do that, frankly. (laughs) All right. What are your sources? Um, They are history.com, historichotels.org, and gettysburgbattlefieldtours.com. Beautiful. I love it. I don't have that many sources either, which I thought was really interesting that on such a big location, we didn't have just pages of sources. Well, I used some of the same ones more than once. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for different parts. So those seem to be really good sources for just the general Gettysburg information for each location. There was, they had something. Right. I agree. All right. Well, let's have, where are we going first? Well, before we get into that, I was going to do just, um, for people who don't really know all of the history of Gettysburg, uh, let's do a brief, um, kind of synopsis of what happened there. Yes. So the battle of Gettysburg, uh, was fought from July 1st to July 3rd, 1863. It is considered the most important engagement of the American civil war. After a great victory over Union forces at Chancellorsville, General Robert E. Lee marched his Army of Northern Virginia into Pennsylvania in late June 1863. On July 1st, the advancing Confederates clashed with the Union's Army of the Potomac, commanded by General George G. Meade, at the crossroads town of Gettysburg. The next it's day, just a small United town, right? Like, it's not like right. it just Harrisburg or Pittsburgh. It's just a small town, right? Yeah. So Okay. Lee was trying to get into the north, more into Pennsylvania, and he was really hoping to get more recognition for the movement of the south um, from outside sources. So okay, he was really pushing in, um, so obviously, and then they ran into each other. Okay. So, wait, 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 where was I? Okay, so um, the next day Sorry. saw even heavier fighting as the Confederates attacked the Federals on both left and right. On July 3rd, Lee ordered an attack by fewer than 15,000 troops on the enemy center at Cemetery Ridge. The assault, known as Pickett's Charged, managed to pierce the Union lines, but eventually failed at the cost of rebel casualties, thousands. Lee was forced to withdraw his battered army toward Virginia on July 4th. The Union had won a major turning point, stopping Lee's invasion of the North. It inspired Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, which became one of the most famous speeches of all time. Yes, and I think that most all of us had to learn all or part of it in some form of junior high government civics American history class. Right? Right, yeah. So true. Yeah. Uh, Give me one second. All right. Sorry. I'm no, so messed up. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. 
All right. So we are going first to the Jenny Wade house. Yay. Yay. I love that. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Maybe yay. Maybe. 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 Maybe it's, maybe. maybe it's worth talking about. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> okay. So Mary Virginia Jenny Wade lived on Breckenridge Street in Gettysburg, where she and her mother worked as seamstresses. They fled their home in anticipation of the coming battle, choosing to stay with Jenny's sister, Georgia McClellan. This was not only for their own safety, but because Georgia was very pregnant, giving birth just an hour before the Confederate Army arrived in Gettysburg. Wow, okay. (laughs) Right, and talk about timing. Right. So Jenny was said to be betrothed to Corporal Johnston Jack Skelly, a childhood friend turned romantic interest. Uh, Jack was wounded and captured in Winchester, a fact that Jenny would never learn. Uh, the Wades and McClones did their patriotic duty by serving bread and water to the nearby Union forces. In the early morning of July 3rd, Jenny began to need a fresh batch of dough so they could continue to provide for the soldiers. That same morning, Confederate soldiers began firing on the north side of the house, which was hit by over 150 bullets. One such bullet, a mini ball, passed through two doors and struck Jenny in the shoulder, penetrating her heart and finally coming to rest in her corset ending her life at approximately 8.30 a.m. on July 3rd, 1863. Wow, okay. Federal soldiers carried Jenny's body to the cellar. Later, they would bury her. Jenny's work was not in vain. Um, On July 4th, the very next day, her mother used the dough to bake 15 loaves of bread for the Hunger Union soldiers. Wow, that's... I feel like that's a lot. But I I don't know. Like, I'm assuming, like, a normal, like... 2021 size loaf of bread, but maybe it was like smaller. I don't know. Um, that's maybe. a lot. That just seems like a lot. Sorry. I, I don't know why I'm fixated on that at all. <laughs> I think it's crazy that her mom, like, ha- you know, was able to just go ahead and bake bread the next day. Like, but uh, I, I, yeah, me too. I don't, you know, but again, like the, the okay, time, you know, hey, you got to do what you get. A sense of duty. Yeah. 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 Um, so Corporal Skelly, Jenny's fiance, never learned of her debt. He died in captivity just one week later on July 12th, before the news could have reached him. Uh, today, Jenny is buried near Jack in the Evergreen Cemetery, a monument uh-huh. marks her resting place, as well as a perpetual American flag that flies day and night. Uh, the only other woman to claim that honor is Betsy Ross. Oh, I love that. And, right. Another interesting fact um, about Jenny is that she was the only civilian that was killed during Gettysburg. The only civilian. Yeah, that was killed during the Battle of Gettysburg. Wasn't interesting. I'm surprised that there weren't more. But yeah, because it was what the bloodiest battle of the Civil War, and it raged what three days. Yeah, I mean, and there was a. I mean, there was a town there. There's still this, but that's pretty pretty remarkable. I agree. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Was that it? That's it. Sorry. Oh. (laughs) She's buried. She has a flag. She's buried by her love, and she has a flag. Yay. Um, You know what would be interesting? Do people, I wonder if people take loaves of bread to her. Um, I don't know. I guess we could do that. Oh, my God. We should totally do that. Um, Wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) Okay, so we're going to talk about the hauntings of the Jenny Wade house. Again, I'm just going to give you guys all of my sources for the this and every upcoming location, just like Laura did. So, mine is CivilWarGhosts.com, HauntedHouses.com, 
And of course I had to find like a really long one that I had to shrink down greatly. Pennsylvania Mountains of Attractions.com, history.howstuffworks.com. So here we go. So the Jenny Wade house, I want to go here. And um, it's sort of the tours of this house go hand in hand. You can buy like a dual ticket for this house and our next location. Um, I'm excited. I really, I, re I want to do this. We have so much traveling to do, Laura. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so the Jenny's story is very, very tragic. I think we can all agree on that. As Laura said, the only direct civilian casualty during the Battle of Gettysburg, her death was actually a stark reminder for everyone who survived the war as to just how fortunate they were. Killed at the young age of 20, she lost her life after being hit by a stray bullet. Now, the Jenny Wade House is largely considered to be haunted and still stands today with much of its original construction intact, which I think is the coolest part of all of this. Um, it is now a popular museum that serves to draw tourists from all over by offering tours that provide accounts of the activity within it. So... With such haunted happenings, there's usually some kind of lost love and attached to its backstory, which Laura had had told us about. So, uh, it really is no surprise that this location is haunted. But, um... <laughs> What's interesting about that story is that he didn't know that she had been shot and killed or okay. she did and she didn't know he had been shot and killed and it was kind of right. within weeks of each other. Uh, yeah, I think within like a week. Mhm. Mm yeah. Yeah. So, um, with news traveling much slower in those days, obviously she never even knew of her fiance's injury. A few days after her death, he died from his injuries, passing away on the 12th of July. Also, he never received news that she had died. So there are rumors that, and like you said, Laura, the, the, the bullets penetrated the doors and the walls. You said was 150? Bullets? Yeah, that's what that's what they say. Yeah. It's insane. Which, and especially thinking of how slow it was to load a musket and stuff, you know. Right, it wasn't. It was super like kind of tedious to it's get not like that an done. Rifle, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, right. Exactly. Um, so it's kind of remarkable how many bullets hit that house, and the odds of just one hitting mm -hmm. one person in that house. So. When you go to the house, a lot of the, um, they've tried to preserve most of the original architecture, including the door where the bullet passed through that hit her. Wow. Um, which by the way, let's take a quick look at the Jenny Wade house. Um, sorry, I didn't put this up in, in the beginning, but this is, this is the house. So you can kind of see, um, you know, it's, it's brick, it's, it's got the shutters, it's, it's really very colonial, it's very, um, you know, um, Civil War era. You can see the statue of her out in front, and she is holding a loaf of bread, which I think is very, very sad. But, yeah, I know, I'm like, aw. Um, the other thing when you go here is um, they've really, really tried very hard to recreate what the house looked like in that era. They also <laughs> recreated what it, the cellar looked like where they took her body. And this is what that looks like. 
So here you have the cellar, here you have the bed she was put on, and here you have a recreation of her body. Um, it is, uh, it's obviously a dummy or a mannequin or what have you, and it is draped in a quilt. Uh, but that gray hand, man, I'll tell you, that's, ooh, that's, that, that's creepy. That's, that's a powerful effect, if you ask me. Laura, what do you think? Yeah, the colors. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> It is a little. Bleh. Um, and I actually kind of think that maybe that they they've put that there as a trigger object. Um, a lot of paranormal investigative teams will try to use trigger objects to in in entice or encourage spirits to manifest. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what they were doing there. But anyway, um, the door that. Uh, the original door is still there that the bullet passed through. And <laughs> there is a rumor that says if you place your finger in the hole of one of the doors that pen- were penetrated by a bullet when Jenny died, you will become engaged not long after. Miraculously, the door is still in the home to this day, as I said, whole and all. So if you want to get married... It's like a marriage glory hole. I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> if you like marriage and you like glory holes, go here. This is your place. This is for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> marriage glory hole. I'll never, I'll never ever think of it the same again. Thank you. Um, do that for you. Yes, and and all of the listeners, thank you on behalf of them. Hey, you're welcome. As well. Um, wonder how many people are going to go to bed tonight and be like, "Have you heard of the marriage glory hole?" <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> let me tell you about it. Um, so. Here, it's a fascinating place because here you will find the same floors are still intact and they do have, and I didn't, I I didn't, I'm limited on the number of pictures I can put on the little tiny stream deck I have, Um, but they actually have one of the panels of flooring that it was soaked with her blood. And they have it in a glass case next to a 10-pound shell that was never detonated that hit the house. It was It's really crazy. Um, so it's also super interesting. It is really interesting. So look it up. I mean, seriously, just Jenny Wade uh, bloodstained floorboard. You will find it. Uh, it's in a glass case. Pe- guests have taken it and posted it. You'll find it. Um, there are several photographs that have been taken from inside the home, like I mentioned. Uh, some of them feature objects that will make you question reality, seemingly capturing the spirit of Jenny Wade. So... One of the most interesting parts of the tour is they play actual video evidence that has been captured in the home, proving or disproving the existence of a supernatural entity at work in the house. 
So if it wasn't compelling enough, they also let you listen to EVPs, um, providing even more proof or skepticism of the hauntings that have taken place in the building. Now, many witnesses have claimed over the years that they have seen Jenny Wade walking through the home, while others have actually spotted her wandering the surrounding countryside. It would appear that Jenny can't let go of her once beloved homeland or waiting for her beloved fiance. Um, there have been so many reports coming forward um, that the television shows Ghost Adventures, Isaac Biggins, and Ghost Lab have both featured the Wade residents um, on their respective shows. I feel like it's just a matter of time before Destination Fear goes there. I really think they should. So... It is believed uh, by a number of paranormal investigators, paranormal enthusiasts, believers, certainly me and my team, that people who die in the middle of an important task or work goal uh, often try to continue uh, what they were doing before they died unexpectedly. So... Jenny was killed in well in the middle of an urgent mission, right? She was making bread for hungry soldiers, and she didn't get to finish the batch that she was working on. So it's really not surprising to find that you will smell baking bread in the home when you're on tour. Um, I think that's pretty amazing. Uh, there is also the apparition of a young woman presumed to be Jenny that has been seen around the house. Additionally, again, I mean, she loved the scent of rose perfume. We get that a lot, right, Laura? Like a lot of, um, women ghosts from this era, you will find that they, that the scent of roses or lavender precede an experience with them or a sight of them or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We do hear that a lot. Yeah. The so mm-hmm. Rose ended is noticed as well um, by visitors and museum caretakers s- smell it all the time. So the other thing that is there is child spirits. Now, It's possible that these children didn't survive because of abuse they received, diseases, the hardship of war, dumb kid accidents, what have you. So it's believed that they so enjoyed their time with the kind-hearted and loving souls of this home, Jenny Wade, her sister, their family, that they have stayed here um, after they had passed away. So it's not uncommon to, when you're on a tour, feel something tugging at your pant leg, on your shirt, or feel a tiny hand holding your own. No, you're not. You're not down with that. Nope. Mm-mm. No. Okay. All right. Creeps. Creeps. Um, Zane, stop it. Oh, right. He didn't come with us on this trip. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't even fucking notice. <laughs> right? Come on. Oh, where did he go? <laughs> He's at your dad's, Laura. He didn't come with us. <laughs> um, there is an unknown male spirit, uh, which is thought by a lot of people to be her father. Now, this... Hmm. Excuse me. This male presence is felt and sometimes seen... Um, uh, to be hanging out in the cellar. Which, okay. Sure. Um... His daughter died there, so that makes a lot of sense. There is another unknown male spirit. He is known to haunt the upstairs area. He smokes cigars and on occasion lets invisible ashes fall on visitors for chuckles. Um, So apparently when you're there, you feel... 
Like you can kind of feel like a, a fall, something on your falling into your hair. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that's him and his cigar ashes like a dick. Yeah, that sounds like a dick move. Yeah, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two more male spirits here in this house. This is a tiny house, but it's a busy fucking place. Right? Oh, shit. Right? Yeah. They are perhaps tied to the house due to emotional issues, as neither act like they're really happy, um, mm-hmm. and they can't let go or move on to the other side. So... Some entities mourn the loss of a loved one, perhaps blaming themselves, while others are just upset because they died before they were ready, Um, which was a common occurrence during the war and is what is believed to be these two male spirits. It's entirely possible that there were some soldiers that died around the property, um, and then, you know, they're just, they're kind of trapped. But these guys are not very pleasant, so... I mean, they sound better than the guy that's ashing his cigar in your hair, but whatever. Right. Um, the unknown uh, spirits of friendly children, um, again, have made their presence known throughout the house. They have been known to yell a friendly greeting of, hey, uh, if they like you. Like I said, they will um, grab onto your ankles in an affectionate way, and they will try to hold your hand. Um, <laughs> on the second floor... Entities of children like to swing on the chains, which are a part of the roped-off areas into into mm-hmm. certain rooms. Um, and they also do like to play with the bed skirts around the bottoms of the beds in the upstairs bedrooms. And tours, tour guides and tour guests have all witnessed this weird phenomenon. Like, maybe they're, they're expecting, like, an animal to come out of it. And it's just, there's no air in the house, obviously. It, it, it's, they've recreated right. it. There's no AC. There's no, like, draft. There's no windows open. Um, and yet something is playing with the bed skirts. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the other thing that the children entities like to do is they like to play with the visitor's jewelry. Uh, so if you're wearing anything of value, maybe just kind of keep track of it. They don't say it's, they steal it, but they do like to play with it. So, okay. yeah. If you do decide to visit the Jenny Wade house, make sure that you bring a camera. You never know what might show up later in your photographs, as that's a very, very common thing. Um, and many who have come to visit the home find inexplic- inexplicable paranormal objects and possibly the disembodied spirit of Jenny Wade herself. So, um, Je- the Jenny Wade house will actually always forever hold the memory of the tragedy that took place there on that fateful July morning in 1863. As long it is, as long as it is still standing, future generations can come and learn of the bravery that Jenny Wade so selfless, selflessly displayed on that day. Um, so that is the hauntings of the Jenny Wade house. Uh, we will be right back after this brief message from nobody and a quick pause to you. Uh, and we'll bring you our next location. We'll be right back. All right, Laura, next location. Okay. So the next location is the... Gettysburg Orphanage, also known as the National Homestead at Gettysburg. It's not great, guys. I'm just going to fucking warn you right now. This place is not great. I think anytime we do an orphanage, it's uh, never a cool place to go. <laughs> like, mm, ever, ever. I don't think that there's ever been one that was, I was like, you know, this place sounds chill. <laughs> <laughs> 
man, I wish I was an orphan. <laughs> right? I've never been like, this Mm-mm. sounds like a really nice place for these kids. Mm-mm. No, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. So, uh, trigger warning, there's... Um, a lot of, you know, abuse and, and, and death, but it, <clears throat> trigger warning for all of our episodes, there's a lot of abuse and death. I don't know why I said that. So. I'm kind of like, then why are you like, like, this is kind of what we did. That's sort of the basis <laughs> of our show. <laughs> anyway. All right. We're going to try to make this as funny as possible. Go. We'll do our best. You start. Uh, it's not very funny, but sure. Okay. Let's go. Um, <laughs> Okay, so after the Civil War, uh, there was a great need and urgency to to establish homes for the vast number of children who had lost fathers fighting for the Union during the war. Some of these little ones had no one to care for them, while others may have had mothers who, for one reason or another, were unable to properly provide for their well-being. With this in mind, a group known as the National Association of Philadelphia was founded and chose Gettysburg as um, the site for an orphanage to provide for the needs of these children. During April and May of 1866, a site was chosen and purchased. Uh, it was the property of Captain John Myers on Baltimore Street at Cemetery Hill. It consisted of two acres, a large brick house, a stable, well, garden, and orchard. Aside from care. <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. aside from Cemetery Hill, sounds great. Right, perfect. Um, to help care for the orphans and oversee the daily management of the establishment, a strong, dedicated matron would be needed. The choice of this woman was a result of one of the saddest yet heartwarming stories of the battles of Gettysburg. After the battle, as the dead were being placed in temporary graves, a soldier was found with no identification except for a photo of three small children clutched firmly between his fingers. Before burial, that photo was carefully removed and preserved. Word spread of the unfortunate man man who had been thinking of his children at the moment of death. A movement was begun to find that soldier's family and thus determine his identity. Copies of the photo were distributed throughout the North and eventually was printed in the American Presbyterian. Um, A copy found its way to Portville, New York, where it fell into the hands of Felinda Humiston, who immediately recognized it as the one she had recently sent to her husband, Sergeant Amos Humiston. Uh, The soldier now had a name and his family had been found. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What and also what a horrible way to find out your husband died. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not a great story. I mean, there's no there's no great way to find out your husband died. Right. It's really not. Mm-mm. So, um, uh, so copies of the photo were printed. Poems were written, and songs were sung about the unfortunate children. Money raised by the sale of these items were donated to the window, widow to help support her children. Uh, Felinda was invited to Gettysburg to help supervise the new homestead. Uh, she accepted and did a remarkable job overseeing the children, whose members grew yearly to more than 60 by 1869. With okay. so many youth to care for, more room was needed, and in 1869, a second building was constructed. Uh, it was a framed structure at the southwest corner of the original brick building. Uh, this may have been the best times for the children. Everything at the homestead appeared to be in good attention. The children were well-fed, well-clothed, well-educated, and in you know good spirits and health. Right. Um, unfortunately for the children, Felinda remarried on October 26, 1869, to Lieutenant Asa Barnes, and left Gettysburg uh, for a new life in Beckett, Massachusetts. 
So during the next five years, the standards at the establishment remained high, but the dark shadow of decline began to rise in 1875 as the townspeople began to note um, some unacceptable changes. There was an educational decline. The uniforms were tattered. Um, there were a rise in doctor calls uh, that signaled that oh, something yeah. was amiss. Okay. Um, but try as they as they would, the citizens of Gettysburg weren't able to gain entry to inspect the conditions in which the children were being forced to live. I hate that. The new headmistress, Rosa Carmichael, who would replace Mrs. Humston, had the final authority to oversee all activity at the orphanage, uh, even who was allowed to commit. So the association that started the um, the orphanage, you know, had given her this power, and unfortunately. They couldn't, you know, she had all the power to right. not let people in and basically. Right. Mass. Yeah. Um, so on Memorial Day, 1876, the struggle between Rosa. Sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> okay. The struggle between Rosa and the town came to a head uh, when the procession of townspeople arrived at the homestead, expecting the children to lead them to the cemetery and placed flowers on the soldiers' graves. Some of them were their own father's graves. Uh, instead, the orphans were locked inside. The following months brought on a bitter conflict between Rosa, her representatives, and the Grand Army of the Republic veterans. She was eventually brought to trial on charges of cruelty of children and found guilty. Uh, she was fined $20 and ordered to leave town. But she refused. Um, and continued to rule over the children. Uh, however, there was a new incident on Christmas Eve of 1876 when a boy was found locked in an outhouse late at night, and that finally led to the downfall of Rosa and the orphanage. A new investigation disclosed evidence indicating that Rosa had locked children in a dark room in the cellar known as the dungeon. She had shackled the orphans to the wall of the cellar and placed them in vats of water until their legs became too weak to support them and they almost drowned. Gross. Fuck. Yeah. Children were missing and were never found. Um, she never did face charges of murder, um, but she was finally forced out of town. Um, she disappeared from recorded history after that, never to be heard from again. However, the damage was done. Uh, the finances were all but gone. And the great experiment um, was in debt, leaving no option but to close the doors forever. Uh, the Ugh. children were sent to other facilities or taken in by Gettysburg residents. What had begun as a, you know, most charitable, heartfelt endeavor, uh, eleven years later was over. <clears throat> and that is the wonderful story of the orphanage of Gettysburg. It, it kind of makes me wonder what, um, so after the original woman left, mm -hmm. it was five years that it sort of maintained the status quo without her. And then this woman came in. So you, you, you kind of have to, you sort of assume that the original woman was still alive when this crazy psycho took hold. It, right. it, it makes me wonder if she knew what was going on. I mean, she was in Massachusetts by that point, right? Right. So you would think not. Plus, like, it's not, you know, information takes a long time to travel. I, it seems like the Rosa kind of kept it up. She, 
you know, yeah. shit got fucked up. Some. Uh, I, I, uh, it's, yeah. Or at least she was she was keeping up the facade of it being okay, right, right, right. Yeah, which for is probably sure. more likely. And yeah. then eventually she just didn't care. Awful. Bitches be bitches. Yeah, they do. Um, so, which leads to the, all of the hauntings I'm about to tell you about. Right. So, like Laura mentioned, it was a happy homestead in its infancy. It was even once visited by Ulysses S. Grant in a campaign to drum up donations in support of the orphanage. But after its initial headmistress was replaced, it promptly went to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> Uh, that is directly from the article. I took this from, I did cite my source. Uh, that's not my words. I would have used more expletives. Uh, so as Laura mentioned, an evil disciplinarian by the name of Rosa Carmichael soon took over operations of the orphanage and treated these poor innocent orphans like dirt. She even went so far to as to utilize the home's basement as a dungeon, as Laura mentioned. We're going to say dungeon a lot more, guys, so just buckle up. This dungeon was used for, to discipline unruly children, with its history becoming notorious for the makings of ghostly lore. So much so that um, the popular television series, again, your friend and mine, Zach Bagans and his crew, spent a night in the dungeon of this basement in order to try to communicate with the spirits of Carmichael and the children who were tortured here. So it's been reported that she actually went so far as to chain the children in her care to the walls of the basement. It is harrowing to think of what else she might have done in her efforts to discipline her orphans. So... It is because of these actions that the National Homestead is believed to be so rife with paranormal activity. Couple this with all of the lost souls from the Battle of Gettysburg, and you actually have quite a haunted location. So over the years, tours have been made available to the public in order to allow them to walk through the orphanage, resulting in reports of sightings from both guests and the tour guides. Most stories do consist of hearing the clanging of chain, chains against the basement walls, um, although there are a few other creepier tales from visitors. Uh, some have said that they have witnessed the ghostly apparition of a small boy who seems to appear from the shadows of the basement's corners, only to quickly vanish when the witness attempts to take a photograph. So, just so that you guys know what this place looks like, this is a picture of the orphanage back in the day. Tiny location. Yeah, it, it already looks creepy, too. Look. It already looks creepy. Like everybody, like look at the boys, and then they're all like seem to be in the same like outfit, uniform, whatever. And then look mm -hmm. at the girls, little hats, little white dresses. Like it's it's just it's just so. Um, <laughs> there have been on occasion a few pictures that seem to have captured an entity or two. A couple and their friends mm -hmm. once attended the um, tours, and of course snapped a handful of photos along the way. Upon review. It did seem to be revealed that the ghost of a small child appeared standing between two of their friends. On another tour, one guy took a photograph, um, uh, took many photographs, rather, in an attempt to capture anything on film that he possibly could. When he had the pictures developed, there were various orbs and flashes of light throughout many of his photos. They were all captured down in the basement. 
Mm. I, I, Surprising. Yeah, I hate a basement just in general, but God. It's so like when we're calling it a dungeon, and it's not a fun dungeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know yeah. that children were chained to the walls and tortured? I'm sorry. Yeah, what? No, not fun. Nuh-uh. You know the water thing really fucks me off. Yes! Oh, my God. Like, what? Like, I can't. I yeah. can't. I can't. That's the one that really, like, uh-huh. really, mm-hmm. really bugged me. Yeah. I don't know, for some reason. Yeah, for sure. Um... There are also sightings of strange mists that appear to linger linger where this makeshift dungeon once operated. Uh, it might be lost spirits of those um, who wander the grounds. In the cellar, you will find toys scattered throughout it. These aren't remnants of the past, but were actually put there by current owners. So here are those. Nope, that's not them. That's not it. No. <laughs> But that's handy for later. <laughs> that's handy for later. Where'd the picture go? All right. Anyway. Basically, it's a bunch of Just toys. Kidding. Yeah. Ha ha! Imagine the toys. Um, but remember that photo. I'm going to bring them back in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, some people have reported feeling a presence when playing with the toys as if someone is trying to play with them. A few have actually even mentioned feeling a hand touch them. Um, one person who had been on a tour there said that um, the tour guide told them that oftentimes toys will be arranged or found in places not last seen, such as this one pink bear, which was seemingly out of place, that was laying on top of a barrel on their arrival. Um, so it was sort of like put with the rest of the toys and then just randomly mm-hmm. just like on this barrel like out. right yeah um claims in the orphanage are of children's voices and toys moving shadows and a man's voice saying get out now adding fuel to the paranormal fire is that the operator of the orphanage um this evil woman Rosa Carmichael mm-hmm. um <laughs> she had a solitary confinement area pit where children were thrown for days at a time, and I think this might be the water place you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, a bunch of investigations have turned up some of the best evidence um, and taps from Ghost Hunters, uh, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, Jason mm-hmm. Hawes and Grant Wilson. Um they investigated this place and they said that they captured some of the most amazing, compelling evidence they'd captured in a long time. In the orphanage, there is an audio recording of voices and doors creaking, and Jason and Steve hear somebody say no in response to a question. Now, I had found a blog or a message board of sorts mm-hmm. of um, people that had been to visit various places in Gettysburg. And I happened, to found, I happened to find one of the orphanage. This post was written by a 12-year-old girl who had visited the location. And I'm going to read it verbatim. So, quote, While we were on a ghost tour in Gettysburg called Ghostly Images Walking Tours, we went inside the basement of the orphanage that Rosa Carmichael chained the orphans to the wall, beat them, and sometimes worse. As we entered, the tour, as we entered, the tour guide kept pointing 
me out as about the age of one of the orphans that would have lived in the dorm when all of a sudden my dad said that he had felt like he had gotten poked with a needle, but nothing was there. Then my mom got touched on the leg. I didn't have anything happen to me yet. Then our tour guide turned off the lights. I got pictures of numerous orbs, but that could be anything. So the lights came on and we were free to move around. There was a room that Rosa put the orphans in to beat called the pit. She had 14 to 19 year old boys called stick boys. They carried large sticks to beat the boy as well as girl orphans in the pit to show who was the boss around the place. Well, I crawled in the pit and saw nothing else. I had my EVP recorder along with me, which stands for electronic voice phenomenon. We left and went back to the hotel to review the evidence. I have two EVPs. The one is my dad talking about going into the pit and you hear a female's voice saying, get back, get back now. And another one where my dad and I are in the pit and we asked if anyone was in here and a child's voice replies, yes. About Rosa, one day a boy came to visit his friend in the orphanage when Rosa said he died, that it was very sudden and nothing could have been done about it. He paid his respects and went home to tell his father. Well, the father went around to the local doctors to see how the young boy died. Every doctor in Gettysburg replied that they had not gone to the orphanage for any boys. The father became suspicious and contacted the local authorities. They questioned Rosa, asking why doctors didn't know about a boy, and Rosa said the doctor was passing through and was closest to the orphanage and left town the night before. The cops thought that was understandable, but needed something to tell the father to get him off their backs. She did not have an answer for that. Well, the cops left. Eventually, they found out that Rosa killed the boy and later found out that there was a skeleton of a young boy under the orphanage floors. Rosa was was run out of town and never seen again. The author of this post was 12. That's great. I mean, for... Uh, I mean... Be so eloquent and, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, of course, I was like, well, where the... I her parents are taking her to these places, but cool. I mean, in fairness, you did take Zane to Jerome. And he was much younger. But whatever. I didn't take him on a... And he was not afraid. Like, with terrible things. (laughs) He did something with the floor. Great. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. Uh, well, Auntie Carrie is going to take him to these places. <laughs> exactly. Largely because he's not afraid. So, um, some of the comments on the post uh, said, quote, My sister and I went on Ghostly Images ghost tour of the orphanage, and it was very emotional. When I sipped in the house, I felt like I'd always had somebody looking at me. When we finally went downstairs into the basement, the tour guide sat us down and turned the lights off. I couldn't see my own hand in front of my face. But as I'm sitting there on the one side of the benches, I can feel someone looking at me, staring at me, sitting beside me in the dark, but it wasn't comforting. I was threatened. I sat there in the dark for about 10 minutes, which is longer than I probably would have sat. I probably would have jumped up and like flashed a light and been like, who are you? What are you? Tell me everything. Yeah. Not going to sit in the dark knowing I'm being watched for 10 fucking minutes. Um, so 
She goes on to say that I had a sick feeling in my stomach and a sense of terror. When the tour guide finally turned the lights on, I felt fine. I even felt a tingling of grace and comfort. The atmosphere completely changed. The tour guide had a table of toys for the little children's spirits to play with. When you got close to them and played with them, it felt like someone was playing with you. I felt little touches on the leg and hand the whole time. I recommend this tour to anyone who is looking for a spiritually exper- spiritual experience and a great tour. Also, hi, Zane. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so he just doesn't wear a shirt anywhere, or? Um, he doesn't wear a lot of clothes most of the time. As soon as he gets home, he just, like. I mean, it's Arizona. It's really hot. Yeah. I mean, but he doesn't. He's not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. <laughs> He comes home, shirts off, socks off, shoes off. I mean, Ed Coy's kind of the same way. But, I mean, he's a grown man, so he still wears clothes. But generally, it's, yeah, immediately take off the jacket, take off as much as mm-hmm. he possibly can before it's a felony. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, this other person says, I went there in August and they took us into the basement and I was fine. But when they turned the lights off, I started crying. Not because I was scared, but because I had this overwhelming feeling of sadness that I didn't feel when the lights are on. And this seems to be a common occurrence. Like you just sort of are in tune, like with the orphans who were there the minute they would turn the lights off how those children must have felt. It's fucking horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, People would be empathetic after hearing those stories and being in the dark, just thinking about how those kids had suffered and how terrified they must have been and how there was no one coming to help them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think it's pretty yeah. human to have those feelings. I think so, too. Um, the next person says, in 2010, I visited the orphanage in Gettysburg with my daughters. We took the ghost tour, and when it was over, we went to the back of the orphanage to walk around and take pictures. No one else was around in reviewing some of my pictures later. I noticed in two of the pictures, a brightness that caused me to look closer. The images were, I believe an older child comforting a younger child. It appeared to have its head on top of the smaller child in a comforting way. The second picture was of a smaller child standing in front of a taller child or an adult. You can see the high button shoes at the bottom. Very sad and eerie. I took the pictures with a digital camera, not a professional camera, and the pictures were not tampered with. That is really sad. I just think that's really, really sad. Um, So those are some of the more uh, compelling uh, comments and stories of experiences that folks have had when touring this orphanage. Um, so that brings us to our, uh, last location. Um, and let me tell you, the hauntings don't get better here. Right. (laughs) They just don't get better here. So Laura, where are we creeping people out with next? (laughs) We are headed to devil's den. Always the best places, Gary. Always, always the best places. Also, let me let me find the picture. I I think I'm. Hang on, hang on. We'll see right. what comes up. We could do the picture now. Nope. Orphanage. <laughs> Here we go. There it is. Hey, All right. Good. Dive right in, Laura. We'll keep this up for a minute. Okay. Uh, this natural rock formation on the grounds of the battlefield proved to be a strategic asset to the troops of the Civil War. 
Uh, the formation was named such after local residents believe that a large snake was in residence. Varying accounts of the size of the creature range from 8 to 15 feet, therefore earning the nickname the devil. On July 2nd, 1863, the second day of the Battle of Gettysburg, the area around Devil's Den saw intense fighting as part of General Robert E. Lee's flank attacks. Mm, It was one of the few Southern successes in that day's fighting. Total casualty estimates are over 800 for the Union and more than 1,800 among the Confederates. Uh, During the second day of fighting... um, that was one of the worst in the Civil War. Um, and Robert E. Lee had gone against the advice of his second-in-command, James Longstreet, and launched the attack. Um, now, was, wait a minute, real quick. Wasn't that guy... Didn't that guy um, replace Stonewall Jackson? He did. Okay, that's what I thought. After Stonewall Jackson died, that was, like, Robert E. Lee's, like... Main guy, best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then this guy. Okay, all right. I just want to make sure so that I... this guy was telling him, like, to not go straight up after them. Okay. And he did anyway. And, you know, um, I mean... Well, we he... all know what happened after that. <laughs> right. So there was, like, 35,000 deaths in, you know, the two days, three days of the, of the Gettysburg. Um, it reached a crescendo, crescendo at Devil's Den... Um, which is the formation of rocks that you saw in the picture. Yes. It's right in the middle of the Gettysburg battlefield. Yeah. But yeah, they say that, that general Lee's issue is after he lost Stonewall, he kind of went a little nutty and he was kind of mad. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've read too. He didn't trust this other guy either. So he just kind of went off the cuff and did what he wanted. Yeah. And so well. It didn't work out so well, but also, like, a lot, like, he would, I had read in my research that Lee would demand, like, if, if, if this guy wouldn't do it, then he would ask, like, the next guy to do it. And they were like, this is a suicide mission, and we cannot do this. Um, eventually, he found somebody that would, and, I mean, the South surrendered shortly after this battle. Um, but it was a big turning point in the war. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When yeah. he got turned back into Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I I live back here now, and mm-hmm. I cannot help but you know when when I when I drive on these like these interstates and these freeways to to go to all of my various paranormal places, um, there's turning points uh, there's <clears throat> turnoffs for Antietam and there's turnoffs for you know Stonewall Jackson's house and it's right. it, it's so amazing um it's it's really it's really amazing to think about like how long ago this was even though America is a very young country compared yes. to you know what i mean compared to yeah. Europe like I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it really is something to live back here and um, drive through, um, and go through some of these locations that are um, a part of America's history. Let's talk about the ghosts. They fucking suck here. I, I, I read this and I was like, ew, god, gross. We've got to go. 
Um, <laughs> so the Devil's Den is a major attraction for both tourists and ghost hunters alike, many of whom often bring cameras and recording devices in an attempt to capture some of its ghostly charm, which they should. Uh, however, such equipment is often reported to malfunction or shut down completely. Uh, which, I, as, a, as a professional investigator, uh, that's like the worst thing that could possibly happen. It sucks, um, and it happens a lot. It does happen a lot. So visitors will often experience their cameras or cell phones glitching out when trying to take a picture. The same is actually said for paranormal investigators when attempting to conduct research. Their equipment will simply cease to function. Uh, don't love it. Uh, I think it's mm-hmm. awful. Um, but it is, you know, one of those... One of those things. A lot of diehard non-believers will be like, yeah, that's your go-to default like excuse. I didn't get anything because my equipment malfunctioned. No, actually, that does happen. It just does happen. So, what's interesting is that when people move away from Devil's Den and the Gettysburg Battlefield, their uh, devices will miraculously begin working again. Um... It's not an excuse, guys. It does happen, and um, yeah, it, it 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 does happen. Electromagnetic fields are real. So, there are several reports of ghostly apparitions appearing right in front of tourists. Uh, <laughs> hauntings at Devil's Den um, are very, very common, but when they try to snag a photo, their devices will flicker and die. Um, it has actually been the source of many otherworldly encounters for quite some time. One compelling, compelling, nope. You got that. <laughs> One gripping tale comes from a Harrisburg Telegraph article dating back to 1939. This article tells the story of a man driving along in his car when he noticed two uniformed soldiers carrying rifles and walking along the side of the road. The man pulls over to them, noticed that their uniforms were quite old. He asked the two men if they needed help, and they replied that their friend was injured and needed assistance. The soldiers prompted the man to follow them to a nearby tree, which was propping up another one of these uniformed soldiers, this one dying from a severe chest wound. Panicking, the man said he'd get help, frantically drove to the nearest gas station. Upon telling the cashier what he had just witnessed, he was told not to bother. The soldiers wouldn't be there when he returned. Apparently, this was happening to many folks who were passing by that very same area. Oh, that's kind of fun. I like this story. Fun. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's, it's creepy as fuck. And, mm-hmm. But still really cool. Another tale from many years ago involves a couple of hunters who allegedly got lost near Devil's Den. <laughs> While searching for the way out, they saw an apparition standing on one of the largest boulders. So the figure began pointing to one specific area that, lo and behold, wound up being the way out for these men that they were trying to find. When the men turned around to thank the person... He had vanished into thin air. Um, Throughout the years, there is a shoeless entity. And this is my favorite, Laura, I have to admit. A shoeless entity has been known to approach tourists with helpful advice as to where they need to go. Though, to be in the spirit of a Confederate Texas soldier. So, it's a Confederate Texas soldier, and apparently there's something on his uniform that signifies that he is from Texas. 
So this ghost has been captured in photographs going back as far as the 1970s. He's even showed up in pictures that didn't detect him when initially snapped. So I'm going to try to bring it up. I'm not sure what we'll get. Right, let's play Wheel of Fortune here. Oh, that's cool. It's a good picture. It's a good picture. It's not the picture I wanted to bring up. But let's take a look at this picture. Right. So this is the Devil's Den. As you can see, there is a group of folks on the right of the picture. Mm -hmm. And on the left, you can see a circle with an arrow. And uh, I wanted to zoom in on it, and I can't do that right now. But it actually does look like a spirit peeking around, creeping grossly around the rock formation. Here's the thing that I noticed with this picture, though, Laura. To me, this is a uh, male. Uh, he appears to have a seriously receding hairline. He also seems to be wearing a suit and tie. Not entirely indicative of any sort of Civil War soldier that I've ever seen. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, since I can't zoom it in, also, it kind of blends right into the trees. So if that person was wearing corresponding colors, it could make it look um, more ethereal or, you know, ghostly than it actually is, you know? Yeah, it's also sort of disproportionate. I mean, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I've never been there. I don't know how big this rock formation is. Mm -hmm. But it does, it, it, to me, it looks like a hairline receding fucking Hitler. Yeah. Like, I see a eyes, I see a nose, I see a mustache, I see a dark tie, I see a gray suit. Yeah. Let's see what the next picture is. I mean, God, I hope it's not the picture, last picture you sent me. Wink, wink. I do like picture roulette. Let's do it. Let's do it. Nope. Nope, that's the Gettysburg Hotel. It's also haunted, and um, you can go and check it out. We have reservations there in a year. <laughs> I'm sure we do. <laughs> For some reason, that doesn't wouldn't surprise me at all. Anywho, uh, so anyway, um, in a story that appears to validate the shoeless ghost, a woman had one day got lost as she was traversing the rock-laden land. She began nervously looking for the way out, just as the hunters from earlier had done all those years prior. Without warning. A man appeared, pointed to the distance, and said, what you're looking for is over there. And just like that, he vanished. The woman later told park rangers what had happened, and when they asked what the man looked like, they could hardly believe what they were hearing. Unbeknownst to the woman, she had just described in perfect detail what a Confederate Texas soldier would have looked like during the Battle of Gettysburg. So... There is also another poltergeist, or a poltergeist, rather, known as the Ghost Rider that is known to wander near the den. Um, mm -hmm. He will materialize instantaneously, accompanied by the sounds of gunfire and shouting, and then vanish as quickly as he appeared. This is where I kind of draw the fucking paranormal line. I hate this story, I hate the idea, and I am kind of terrified, but I do want to go to see if it happens. Another chilling story comes from a young woman who is climbing the rocks with her friend. 
As she rounded one of the large boulders, a hand reached up from the fissures and grabbed her ankle. Looking down, she saw a young man in a Civil War era uniform. Screaming, she looked up for her friend, but just as quickly as she yelled for help, the entity had disappeared. Scouring the area, no one was around to even remotely fit the description of who she saw. Hmm. No, 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 no. Feel somebody grab my foot, look down, and there's a fucking ghost in the rocks? No! I think I'd like that better than if I'm walking along and, like, a like little creepy hand, like, grabs my hand or something. I don't know. A kid's hand? It seems really? like you could shake it off. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um... <laughs> Anyway, some visitors tell, as day turns to dusk, hearing the sound of marching soldiers as a fog falls over the area is very common. You might even see lights flash across the early evening sky. Even if you don't experience the paranormal while you're visiting, make sure you don't purposely or inadvertently take anything, twigs, rocks, or other items that belong to the land with you from Devil's Den. Those items are said to be cursed. Officials at the battlefield have received countless mementos in the mail with notes of how the items from Devil's Den brought about a string of bad luck from divorce to illness to the taker. So, yet another thing. Why would you? I would not. Don't take anything from anywhere that's called Devil's any fucking thing. Even the Devil's gift shop. Don't take it. Like, did the Brady Bunch's, like, experience in Hawaii teach you people nothing? Don't uh, take things home. Especially amulets, but uh, especially anything. No, sa- no, stop, don't, exactly, don't fucking do it. So, in closing, from, obviously, the Gettysburg Address, I do want to say, quote, from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the ghosts, the history and the hauntings of Gettysburg. That was really interesting. Um, it was yeah. a fun episode to do, especially poignant on um, recording on Veterans Day. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's really wonderful. Okay. And a special thank you to any veterans out there who are listening. So thanks. I know we're late, but thank you. Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, a lot of my family served in, in the military, and a lot of my friends do as well. Um, I know that we, and, 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 and they, they serve the United States. They, they serve so that we can all have different opinions as to how we want to live our lives and how we want to raise our families and how we want to do things. And, and um, they are, they're, it's very important. They're they're doing all of this so that we can have these opinions and have these podcasts and talk about how we feel about the history and, and things like that. So thank you very, very much. You are um, never forgotten. 
and you are never um, ignored or um, invalidated. You, you are why we have the lives that we have, and we thank you. All right. Yeah. So. You guys are the reason why Laura's child runs around naked everywhere. Okay, not quite naked, but yeah, close. Okay, shirtless. That kid does right. not love a shirt. No, whatever. And you buy him so many shirts. <laughs> I do my best. You do, yeah. You can lead a horse to water, right? <laughs> I mean, a little bit. Um, yeah, so Laura, go ahead and do your thing. Tell them where they can follow us. So you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and H-O-A-H Podcast. And on the TikTok at H-O-A-H Podcast, at H-O-A-H Carrie, and at H-O-A-H Co-host Laura. Even though Laura sucks at the TikTok. Listen, I'm busy, bitch. (coughs) No, you're not. And I don't have internet. (laughs) This is my new excuse. I'm like, I can't post anything. All right, she doesn't have internet, but she is also not, she, it's been like a week. We've had the TikTok for months. Anywho, um, thank you so much for watching. We certainly hope that you will follow us on all of our podcast stations. Join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash H-O-A-H podcast. We have all kinds of gifts and goodies, which I have laid out to show you. And now they're just gone. Um, <clears throat> we do conspiracy theories. <laughs> we do conspiracy theories. We do uh, mini episodes, and we are going to start with Laura live filming from her uh, new home, unpacking and doing all kinds of stuff that makes her uncomfortable to do. But we're going to do it because she said we would. She lied. Fucking whore. Again. All right. Laura and I have to go have a meeting. So anyway, guys, we love you. Bye. See you next week. Thanks, guys. And we have um, a massive conspiracy theory episode dump coming for the Patreons. We do. Sorry, we're a little behind. It's ridiculous. Anyway, we love you so much. As always, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. <laughs> <laughs>